We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Today is Monday, November 9th. Uh, and uh, for week nine, let's, it's a lot of carnage here, Chris. And just in terms of not injuries necessarily, but just bad performance. Running back carnage left and right. James Conner was a dud. Uh, you know, some of the guys, you know, getting the San Francisco decision was gotten wrong by a lot of people. Uh, all around, there were just uh, disappointing uh, appearances like James Conner. You're thinking against Dallas, but Dallas wasn't that bad defensively. And I was looking at their yards per play uh, the last few weeks. It hasn't been that bad. Yeah, I think a lot of teams took the foot off the gas too. last couple of like the who just killed them. Oh, Washington killed them couple weeks ago and i'm sure in the last couple quarters they took their foot off the gas but um yeah dallas's defense has an okay pass rush the linebackers a couple of them are healthier now so they're bad but it's really the offense that fell apart and then yesterday the offense wasn't great but given the competition it was you know serviceable so yeah. uh i don't know they they didn't kind of it wasn't like the Steelers were on the field the whole time like people thought but you know, the thing about every running back being bad, except two of them, McCaffrey and uh, Dalvin Cook, who's just been ridiculous, is A, now McCaffrey's hurt, but Cook is so valuable now in that context because he's just winning the league for you. And then two, uh, it doesn't hurt as much as long as you're not going against Cook. Like, yeah. who cares that your running backs didn't do well? No one's running backs did well. You know, I had Jarek McKinnon and DeAndre Swift. That was fine. 
You know, like that's not a good running back combination. But this week it was fine. Right. And we had some significant backs off. We had Mixon off. We had the Eagles off. Uh, and that matters. You know, you don't have your uh, top guys there. It does matter a little bit. But still, um, yeah, it, it was just it was weird that J.D. McKissick was RB3 this week in PPR leagues. Yeah, it's pretty strange. Uh, yeah, I mean, like Aaron Jones didn't do much in a blowout. And Kamara didn't do much in a blowout. Right. And Derrick Henry didn't do much. Like all the key guys. And then, you know, Chubb, Mixon, and Sanders were all hurt heading into the bye, so who knows if they would have played? Uh, they're not been a bye, but right. three guys that Zeke was um, compromised, and you know, obviously, how about Chase Edmonds it didn't do well. He had a great matchup. He could have been a good right start this week. There are a lot of guys like that, but you know, I have no sympathy for all of you who didn't get good running back production. I didn't get great running back production. I don't have Dalvin Cook. I should have had Dalvin Cook instead of Michael Thomas in one league. I've already regretted that many times. So if you didn't get Good running back production. I'm not sympathetic to you. Are you if you're drafting the day, you take Cook or Kamara first. Cook, I moved to first. Okay. What 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 is your rank? What are your rankings say now? Cook, Kamara, Henry. I think so. I think it's Cook, Kamara, Henry overall. Too. And then it's like then there's receivers: Devonte Adams, Metcalf, Tyreek, maybe. Yeah. So I got to look at them. I just changed them today, but I don't remember the overall. But yeah, I think Henry's three. And then uh, there's a bunch of receivers in there. And then Aaron Jones is still pretty high. Um, so, and McCaffrey was all the way at the top, actually, before the injury. I, I was like, he's at top. He had a monster game, and he was back. And now uh, I moved him down to like 45th because who knows? Right. This time it's day to day and not week to week with his shoulder injury. Uh, but who knows? I mean, I guess we'll. And they, they purposely didn't make him available for uh, the. the uh, press conference today they you know and that's the thing you, it's not even it, it's not even a press conference it's like a call and yeah okay he's he's either on the call or he's not and you can't really corner a guy you can't even say hey what's going on just that's just not possible i mean if you look at how little scrutiny politicians get for like they just don't even investigate things the fact that like these running backs or some player about his injury i mean it's just such small potatoes it's unbelievable yeah that's right and you know it, it's 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 true. It's really true. So yeah, I mean McCaffrey. Uh, I don't know. He looked really good against the Chiefs. He looked like himself. You know, Mike Davis had two carries and I think like four or five catches. Uh, but it was pretty clear. It wasn't just a okay. We're going to make sure he doesn't play every other play. They 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 used him pretty heavily. Maybe that's to their detriment. But although yeah, they shouldn't have done that. They shouldn't have done that. I mean, there's no reason. I guess they were like we're playing the Chiefs, but you don't need to give him the dirty work in between the tackles. Like just make him into Camara. Kamara is so valuable to the Saints, right? And yet they don't make him do too much dirty work, and I don't know why they don't do the same with McCaffrey. So here's the interesting thing: got Cook, then Kamara, then Henry. One, two, three overall. Then it goes Adams, Metcalf, Hill, Hopkins, then Aaron Jones. Okay, so there's a fourth running back in the top ten: Aaron Jones. That's Keenan Allen, Julio Jones, Travis Kelsey. I mean, these are you could flip flop them. I'm not going to like go to war over these. Mm-hmm. AJ Brown, Tyler Lockett, but these you know. Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, Pat Mahomes, three quarterbacks in there. Okay. And then Josh Jacobs is number 18. Connor's 19. And I'm like, who else would you put there? I mean, why are those guys number five and six among running backs? Like other guys are like Miles Sanders, Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon, but we don't know. And then Edwards Alaire is, you know, in the top 15, uh, Chase Edmonds is up there. Zeke is up there. 
Kareem Hunt is up there, even though he's on the same team. I mean, it is just a mess. Probably have Gurley too low, I'm realizing. Gurley's just a machine. He's not good, but he just gets touchdowns and carries all the time. But anyway, point is that... He's a rich man's it, David Montgomery. A very rich man's David Montgomery. Yeah. David Johnson would have been in there, but he got concussed on like the second play of the game. Yeah, but David Johnson. I mean, it's like... It's almost like Byron Buxton in a way. Like, and I love Byron Buxton who balled at the end of last year. I love Byron Buxton. But point is, it's like, and this is like before the year. It was like, oh, David Johnson. No, no, no this is the time. Bill O'Brien's incentivized to get him. You know, he made that trade and all the stuff. But it's like, this dude has not been good since 2016. Right. It's like, it's sort of like, oh, well, it's just bad luck that he got the concussion right before this easy matchup. And first of all, Duke Johnson did not do that well. And I don't know that Duke John, that he's better than Duke Johnson, but against Jacksonville, no less too, by yeah, the way, his matchup. Right. And it's like, well, Oh, it's just bad luck. But it's like David Johnson seems to have the bad luck, whatever right. that means. People are like, Oh, well it's just bad luck. Well, if you have bad luck all the time, every year, at what point is it bad luck? And at what point is it? You just, for some reason don't get the chance and take the chance. I mean, everybody has bad luck in their life, but it's like, it's been since 2016. We've been drafting this guy first round, first round, first round, third or fourth round. When is it going to pay off? Like, it's just insane. It's like he he walks under a ladder every day, has a family of black cats to make sure one of them crosses his paths, has a, a, he he creates extra cracks in his sidewalk to make sure he steps on one, you know, things like that. Something. It must be, that's the most plausible explanation other than, I mean, because you know, we talked about this with Buxton and, and I love the guy and I always draft him anyway. And, and he actually had a good year this year when he was healthy, but of course he got everything. But, uh, but the thing is that at what point is like, is there, is there such a thing as like a psychological disposition to get hurt or have the wrong thing come up at the wrong time? Is, is that, is it just, is there such thing as, I mean, do we not create our reality to some extent? I mean, this is some metaphysical stuff, but like, and that, that yeah, we all have setbacks, but that you just chronically like you need to have setbacks. It's some avoidance technique. You know, there's something called proprioception, which is like when you're I think it's like awareness of your body in space. Maybe I'm getting the word wrong, but like you're falling down or your ankle starts to twist and you feel it and you straighten it out before it catches and you really hurt it before you put real weight on it. Or you uh, are falling down and you're going to the ground and you start to be aware that your shoulder is going to hit and you sort of brace yourself quickly before it happens. You know, there's different levels of just some guys just go down and crunch all the weight on the joint and it's, and it's shattered. And some guy seems to wriggle out of it and has the body control. You see it on catches. You see it all the time. Right. And I, and, and I wonder whether some of that is sort of like, you know, you're, you're like in this like zombie like mode for a second when you're in the middle of catching a ball and you're not paying attention or, some of these guys are so tuned in, they, they feel every ounce of everything going on around them, and they do it. Now, again, people say, well, come on, you, you don't know this, and it's speculation. It is. But you wonder whether, like, the guys who really are determined to be the greatest of all time and to meet, you know, the bell every single time um, don't have some extra skill involved in, and some of it may be a psychological disposition, some of it may be just physical, uh, but there's some skill involved in avoiding these things. Now, a concussion is a little bit, it's not really perfect. You get clocked in the head, but just that with David Johnson, it's one thing after another, and you don't have to know the mechanism by which these things are happening. Like you don't have to know, is it really a psychological thing or physical thing or whatever? But you just think after a while, 
dude, every single year something happens to this guy. Maybe it's just a series, as you said, of black cats and and cracks in the sidewalk and you know breaking mirrors. But it's just like avoid, avoid. Maybe you know, no, maybe 2021. I'm sure it'll be his lucky year. Yeah, uh, I, I think uh, that we'll be disabused of that notion next year in drafts. We'll see. But uh, right, you mentioned Josh Jacobs is like running back five and. I watched a lot, you know, pretty much every snap of that Raiders Chargers game. And Jacobs just looked okay. He's getting, he loses entire series to Devontae Booker now. And Booker looks pretty good, like he shot out of a yep. cannon. It's that classic second string running back theory that, you know, oh, he's ready for that change of pace. And he look, he's the guy that looks better, but you put him in the starting role and he probably wouldn't look that great. Yeah, it's just, a, it's a wasteland after five, you know, and, so you're like, okay, well, oh, come on. Josh Jacobs is getting spelled or he doesn't catch passes. Would you take CEH over Jacobs? Maybe. No, but like CEH is getting five carries a game. I, that's what I mean. <laughs> Jacobs gets 20 carries a game. I mean, yeah. and he gets a couple of catches. He gets some time. I mean, I, I just feel like James Conner, Josh Jacobs, that's your running back five and six. And it's terrible. Now when Miles Sanders, if he comes back healthy and Mixon and, Chubb come back. That may be, you know, they may supplant those guys, but you got, you know, you got to go with the Pianowski, especially with running backs. You got to go with the Pianowski doctrine, which is, well, let's see them come back first before we start putting them in the top seven. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And Jacobs the week before at 32 carries. So that might've been a conscious decision by the Raiders to limit him. You know, Jacobs had an, like an illness in practice last, missed a practice last week due to illness. He said his knee was sore. He's been on the question, you know, he's had some limited practices throughout the season. So that might be uh, something to deal with that too. But still, that, that affects his performance. It's still there. You know, you can't, it's just like, it's an explainer, not a, a reason to wish it away. Right. James Robinson, I think is number nine in my list right now. He could be higher. He could easily be higher. I could see it. He gets the yeah. work. You know, that's he one gets thing. The work. I know. And Todd Gurley's up to like 10. I mean, Todd Gurley is. A workhorse, man. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I can see that. Atlanta-Denver, that was an interesting game in a couple ways. Atlanta was killing them early. They could do no wrong offensively. They were just dialing up. Matt Ryan's hitting all these random receivers that aren't Julio Jones, aren't Russell Gage. You know, Gage isn't usable really anymore. Yeah. Even when when uh, uh, he's the number two receiver, he's not really the number two receiver. He's just born to be a number three. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, Ridley didn't matter, but... Uh, they took their foot off the gas a little bit, and it almost and it almost bit them in the butt. Denver had a nice comeback at the end, but it, it was sloppy. Like Drew Locke was pretty bad early on in this game, and Denver was pretty bad. First drive, they have got this kicker who they spent a good amount of money on, who's been good all year, and they didn't try along like a fifty six, fifty seven yarder. They burned a timeout too. They let the clock run down. They didn't get their offsides. They burned their timeout, and then they still punted. It was like the worst of all scenarios. Yeah, I, don't, I didn't really watch a lot of the game. I just had uh, Atlanta as my best bet, and they're up thirty-four to thirteen with nine minutes left. I thought, okay, this is this is good, and I still had to sweat it. Yeah, and Jacksonville still had. I mean, Denver still had the ball, down seven with like fifty seconds left and no timeouts on their own end, and of course the drive didn't amount to much. But I still had to sweat it. I was yeah. like, are you kidding me? I got to sweat this. This is ridiculous. Drew Locke has become the garbage time master. Yeah, he he's, he's this year's Gardner Minshew. He just cleans up at the end of games. Uh, he's. I don't think he's very good. I, I don't think he's going to. I think he's like Minshew-esque at best. 
with a much <laughs> higher draft cost. But uh, yeah, you know, yeah, at least exactly. they're playing them, letting it play out. Jerry Judy looks the part. He looks really yep. good. His route running is so good. Uh, I, I I just kept they kept feeding him, and I was like, okay, this is good. You know, they're get, getting him more. I mean, the Cortland Sutton injury sucks for them, but you know, at least it got Judy more work right away, and that's that's something they needed to do. It's interesting though. This class was supposed to be so good for receivers, and you got mm-hmm. C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy. But like those guys are in there. They definitely seem like they're in the Deandre Hopkins, Michael Thomas, Keenan Allen, uh, Devonte Adams, uh, uh, archetype of route running, you know, guys with like average size who run routes and have good hands. And that's been sort of the thing. Like those are obviously some of the better receivers in football, but they're not like the DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, you know, Terry McLaurin, the guys who take the top off, who own the defense, who right. they've got to dedicate extra guys to because they're not moving the chains. They're basically uh, they're they're taking the top off. They're burning you for a touchdown on one play. And it's interesting that this was supposed to be the better class. But you got to, you know, uh, Henry Ruggs was supposed to be that guy and hasn't really gotten going that much. Uh, occasionally he's made a play, but nothing consistent. Right. And then you got the route running guys who were like, yeah, they're good. But it's like. They can't really, they don't really change the whole game. They're just there making plays, making, you know, first downs. And then it hasn't really been, you know, Claypool is one of those game changing right. beasts. Uh, and he had that one game, but they've contained him and Steelers offense is a little shaky, but it's the 2019 receivers that really, you know, there's, you know, obviously way more than I just named, but it's like those freaks from 2019. And, and for a while, like it was freaks that were the receivers, you know, the, Andre and Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones, Larry Fitzgerald was kind of a freak at the time. I guess he's sort of in the, in the other tree, the Hopkins tree more. He's, he was never that, he was not fast and he, he's not gigantic. He's big, but not gigantic. Anyway, we transitioned into like a, um, a technician's world of receivers. And I wonder with Metcalf and AJ Brown and McLaurin who runs a four, three, one or whatever that we're not going back. We're not going back to some of the freaks in the, uh, Kings of the league. And there's, there's, you know, this year again, Lamb and Judy look good, but I don't see them as freaks. I see them as technicians. I think Ceedee Lamb could be a, one of the, the the freaks, but you know, I, I look, I look at his size, and it looks like he's got some of that, but he's not. He doesn't have the combo that Rugs has, but he's six close. foot two, two hundred, six two, two hundred. He looks bigger. He I guess it's just a perception issue for me then. Uh, but you know, it's only funny. Like a four the thing five, with Lamb is we won't know for a while just because of the decimation of the Cowboys due to injuries. I mean, taking away Dak and that offensive line. I mean, it's just it's hard to tell. He's he made some plays though, uh, at least against the Steelers he, and, and throughout the season. But you're right; it's like Gallup gets five. the deep balls and Lamb doesn't get those. Yeah, well, Lamb ran a four five. You know, he's six two two hundred. Ran a four five. Like he is not by any means. A freak. He's he's a technician. He's really good. Like right away mm-hmm. as a rookie, he was kind of their number one guy, even with Dak. Right? Like he he was getting most of the targets some games more than Cooper. So obviously Dak really trusted him, and the guy's good. Right. But it's like he's a technician. So I don't know. I mean, what would happen if he were with Russell Wilson? I think he'd catch a lot of passes. He'd be really productive. But there's only one DK Metcalf. There's only one AJ Brown. So it's just interesting. We'll see how it plays out. You know, the technicians seem to be the guys now. Yeah. You know, that seems to be the... Where would you uh, uh, slot Terry McLaurin in that grouping? Uh, well, he's small, but he's freak speed. 
and he's also very technically sound. Like he, he runs routes, gets open, um, has great hands. So I would, I would say that he's like, you know, in the third group, which is like the Beckham Antonio Brown group. So there were three groups to me. There was the total size speed monsters, which are, you know, Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones, Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, those guys. And then there were the, uh, and I guess there's some guys with more size than speed too, like the Mike Evans, Mike Williams guys, but the size speed monsters, and then the technicians who have like good, you know, Keenan Allen, six, two, two, 10, you know, all those guys, but they're four, five, five. They're not fast. They're just really mm-hmm. polished players. And then there's like the Beckham, Antonio Brown. And I would put McLaurin with them who are crazy fast and polished, but they're just small, smaller. And so, uh, that was another sort of archetype of wide receiver. Um, then also obviously like Antonio Brown was the best receiver of the teens probably. Well, yeah. Julio Jones, then Antonio Brown. We'll talk more about Antonio Brown in a second, but uh, smart sports bettors always know where to find the best odds before placing a bet, and that's why smart bettors use ProSwap. You can always find the best odds on ProSwap because you're buying directly from other bettors like yourself. See a ticket you like, but the, think the price is too high? Submit a bid price. Uh, uh, submit a bid for a price you think is fair, and then buy it. ProSwap sellers are always willing to negotiate, and we all know bookies never will. And for a limited time, our listeners can get up to $500 in bonus cash. Just use the promo code ROTO500. That's promo co- code ROTO500. And ProSwap will match your first deposit for up to $500. Become a smarter sports better today. Go to ProSwap.com or download the ProSwap app. All right, Chris. So, hey, one thing I, I, I sold McLaurin's size short a little bit. He's six feet 210. Okay. He's a bit bigger than those Beckham, uh, you know, Brown is smaller, but so he's kind of in between. I mean, he's not like, you know, he's a little above average, but he's fast at that size. Yeah. So that's a, you know, at, at 210, that's, that's good. You know, I, I actually like a lot of, um, <coughs> receiving production was correlated with weight. The yeah. It wasn't as important. AJ Brown is six feet two thirty or whatever. So he's, he's a little bit like that, too. He's, he's a little bit more freakish than I was uh, giving him credit for. Well, yeah, I mean, you got to be able to handle getting hit at the line of scrimmage. you got to be able to get hitting, get, handle getting hit in traffic, you know, fighting for that ball with a, a DB. Uh, that was one of the knocks on Hollywood Brown. And, we, you know, there was a big talk about how he added weight and all that. Well, even after adding weight, he was still, he, he's still, still less than the, those guys. Yeah, he's 183. I mean, Antonio Brown is 5'10", 185. Yeah. And he was, you know, an all world hall of fame level receiver. So you can do it if you're just like a, a monster like that. But Hollywood Brown was playing in the one sixties last year. You right. realize that in the NFL, it's like a twist. Like, it's like they're playing with a 12 year old, you know I mean? They just push him around. He's obviously ridiculously fast, but 183 thought, okay, with that speed, 183, maybe he's Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill's 185. Um, but maybe not. Maybe his frame is still a little smaller than those guys, and you know, I mean, or maybe he's just still learning how to to get by with it. But yeah, it's it's hard to be that small. Most of these guys, most of the really small guys. Who was the guy in the Cardinals? The deep threat. He was like a one dimensional deep threat. He played for the Bears too. I'm, I'm spacing. It was Taylor Gabriel and the Bears was one, but there was a guy that was crazy fast on the Cardinals. Who's just a one dimensional deep guy. Someone will let us know in Twitter or whatever. But. Right. uh the guy was like 165 and people would draft him like, Oh, I'm going to draft this guy. You know, like why the you Raiders had guys like that coming out of their ears for years, Yeah, but you can't draft a guy who's 165. You just can't do it. It's not going to, 
he can't possibly get targets. He can't possibly hold up. He's got one thing he can do, and that's it. Yeah, so I, I kind of liked getting Hollywood Brown a lot this year, and I've been wrong on that one. But uh, the Brown I want to talk about, though, is Antonio Brown and the uh, Bucks. They looked awful last night. Brady looked awful. They forced the ball to Brown a lot. Brown did not look up to speed. It didn't look like he had the offense. One of the At least one of the interceptions for Brady was actually Brown's fault. It was stop and go at the end of the first half, and he stopped his route. And it's yeah. just it looked like an arm punt instead during the two-minute drill, which always is fun. Yeah, it's funny, though, because and, and probably if, if Antonio Brown's brand new and Brady obviously is Tom Brady, we always assume when the receiver stops his route and they show the replay, oh, he screwed up, like he's right. to keep going. What if Brady was like, what if the route was sort of like, check out the coverage and read it, and, and if you stop, I'll you know hit you on a back shoulder, and if, you, if he bites, I'll go you know we don't really know like that's that was him could have been i just think it's funny how they're always like just concluding oh he stopped his route he must have stopped his route for a reason you know like he must have seen something and thought maybe to adjust it uh any any event i i was sort of thinking like because that game was so bad and brown ostensibly didn't have a good game as you said that he could be like a scapegoat like they could be like ah this team was six and two we're just killing teams and then you bring in this troublemaker and now right. like this team's undisciplined. Uh, just watch out for that. You know, like if, if another game or, you know, if it goes bad, people start griping. Oh yeah. And then who knows? That was on my timeline for sure. I had people saying they messed, he messed with the team's chemistry, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it's just correlation, whether it's causation or not. At a certain point, people would be like, ah, it was going fine until they brought him in. Right. Brown had five targets. Mike Evans actually had six. So there was some, you know, it just felt like Brown might have been getting more. But they, it, it was interesting. Bruce Arians actually threw Brady under the bus today in his press conference, said that he missed Evans a, a couple of times. Uh, he, he, I think the, the exact quote was Evans was open and he just wasn't targeted, which, you know, that, using the passive right. voice, that's nice, without yeah. just actually saying Tom missed him. Tom but Tom Brady's deserves that. I mean, that, he's, that he's also the type of guy Belichick. that will – Get on, you know, we'll get on the the, uh, the his teammates if they're messing up. So, uh, you know, I, I think that it's uh, it, it's he deserves to have a little bit on him too when he has a bad game and he definitively had a bad game. That last interception, I don't know if the ball slipped in the rain or something, but it was a pop up. It was a lob. Raphael Nadal was like, "Okay, I'm waiting to smash this." Yeah, yeah. I mean, Brady. It's funny because, you know, if, if you're the thing about Brady and even like when Eli was on his way out, you know, and Eli's obviously not Brady, but he won two Super Bowls, was a big star in New York. And I'm thinking, like, don't you see how much you suck? Like, how like how is it that you're not like, yeah, of course I suck. Like, this is ridiculous that I still have this job. Those guys get their ass kissed so much by everybody around them. I mean, you, you can just imagine like yeah. Tom Brady, like. You know, the whole TB12 so thing. I mean, he's got yeah. his personal trainer, his medical clinic, and all that. Maybe it's right, but everyone is also kind of polishing him up and saying, oh, you're right about this. Let's Here, we'll do this for you. Yes. Yeah. No, I mean, he definitely has some track record, and he's 43 and healthy in the NFL, which is pretty good. But, you know, they kiss his ass. And so, like, and you know quite a bit about playing quarterback, obviously. He obviously knows as much as anyone ever. And so, like, if Arian says something – now what's Aaron's done? You know what I mean? Right. Like, he's just some douchebag coach, you know, and it, it, you're sort of like, screw that guy, you know, but like Belichick, you know, was, you know, he had his gruff way of doing stuff. Brady would go in for the hug at the Super Bowl. And I don't know if Belichick was reciprocating that, but, um, 
you know, it's just, uh, it's just, it's just, it's not like criticizing a normal person who might be a little prickly, but be like, all right, well, he, he thinks I could do a better job. Maybe he's right. And you're criticizing somebody who's like the boss of everything, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. it's just very interesting. So let's see if there's any fallout from that. I just, I like that Brady brought in Antonio Brown that he wanted to get Antonio Brown and, but there are just too many mouths to feed. I mean, they've got, you know, they've got Gronkowski, Antonio Brown. They've got, the, you know, one of the best receivers. They have two Hall of Famers right there. I mean, Brown won't make it because of his off-field stuff, but he would have. Brown and Gronk. And then Evans and Godwin are like two pro bowlers at their peak. And yeah. They've been hurt so much this year. But you got two peak pro bowlers and two Hall of Famers who are only 31. They're not like 36. And they're right. all in the same offense. This is insane. It's like Godwin is this afterthought. All of a sudden. And, yeah, and he's probably their best receiver right now. He could be. He could be. I think it might be Evans, but I'm not sure. Uh, it could be. Yeah. By the way, Gronk got away at the play, uh, and he's done this all his career. You get the P.I. in the end zone. He just runs right in the linebacker and turns around. It's like, well, he was. He had an arm on him. Well, yeah, the guy just ran into him. I mean, it never gets called. Never, ever gets called against Gronk. It's, just, it's such a perfect play. Yeah. You either like get the perfect. touchdown or you get the P.I. Yeah. It's like perfecting a flop in basketball or soccer, but they're onto that stuff. I don't know. It just seems like the the collisions between players on either with the balls in the air or just if it's a, a tackle being made or whatever, it's it's just so arbitrary which way they rule it. Yeah, it's just the impression that the ref gets. Right, but man, and it happens know, at seems- such a fast speed that we and it's and they they got a trained eye at least, but. I get it. We get to see it slow-mo, and we get to see it pointed out, and you hear the commentator saying, I don't know what he's supposed to do. Okay, well, yeah, it's easy for us to see that. Easy for me to make that comment after I've seen it, and you know, the reverse angle and all that, but it's probably well, The a, truth a, a, is, a most people speed. don't... I don't know what the refs are doing, but they don't pay attention to the moment that much. Like People aren't always so in the moment. They're sort of looking and thinking, looking and thinking, toggling between their thoughts and their vision. Mm-hmm. And I... And I think sometimes that like because they're thinking they're not there i mean they're there but and they're looking but they're like in their heads they don't see the thing they just sort of experience this thing that's half in their head and half in the on the field and they just go with the impression they got from it and you'll be like they'll call a penalty that you'll see on replay you'll be like what the hell is this guy thinking but what he's thinking is just that he was thinking about something half he didn't totally see it and so he just saw this collision and one of the guys fell or they're running out and he's looking at a bunch of different things at once. Cause you know, there's a lot to look at and the guy's lines got tangled up. He sees one of them falling, throws the flag. And his impression is this, it just his impression. Right. He didn't well, see it. It's just his vibe from it. And these guys are not, you know, they're not enlightened Buddhists or something. They're sitting there completely present, which they should be at least for their jobs. But even players, football players, quarterbacks, Daniel Jones is not present when he's getting strip sacked and he doesn't realize that. I mean, everybody, all of us are prone to distraction. Sure. And then you're just, they're just calling it based on like kind of what they feel about it. You know, what they, what they sort of, with the impression they got. And so then you, you see the replay, you're like, dude, what the hell? And then you see, oh, I get it. Cause the guy, one guy fell back, but he was the one who initiated the hit to the helmet and you're, and you're calling on the other guy. Right. But it's just, that was just his impression. So it's just, it's, unless you want to, the problem is replay is such a scourge. We've talked about this. You don't want to reverse it and legislate everything. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to live with it. Right. Well, and that's why, yeah, 
you see like the helmet to helmet calls, the emphasis on against horse collar tackles. I saw in the college game the other day uh, on Saturday, a guy gets tackled like right here, like under the like the armpit, like the sleeve, and pulls the guy as he's tackling me on. The guy twists, and it makes it look like it's a horse collar. And so, of course, they call it. It's like, no, what did you, you know, you saw the twist. You didn't see the actual horse collar. And so, you know, oh, protect the player. Oh, yes, yes, we got to do that. I get it. I get why we have these, you know, we, we're tech, protecting players. We saw the, the emphasis on concussions and helmet to helmets. You want to try to get that out of the game. But in the zealotry to do so, they're, they're inserting themselves in the game where it doesn't need to be done. And I guess that's the, the price we have to pay for it if we want that. But you have to ask, is it worth it? Right. It's like, yeah, no, it's really, it's a, it's a huge second order effect thing. First of all, is it, is it definitely a thing that there are fewer serious injuries now than there were oh, 15, I don't know. 20 years ago? No, idea. I don't, I don't know. That's the case. Like are there are fewer concussions. Well, we didn't record the concussions as faithfully back then, but it certainly seems like there's still quite a few concussions. I bet uh, you it's, someone knows that. I just haven't tracked that down myself. Well, I just don't think they, you know, know, I mean, a lot of people are just playing through a concussion. Junior say I was just playing through it. So right. it's kind of like, you know, we know what happened later, but we don't know exactly how many he got. Whereas now we'd, we'd probably know at least a little bit more one by one. But, you know, or how about those lower leg hits? Like, you know, look at Dak, look at Kyle Allen, look at Alex Smith a couple of years ago. I mean, yeah. Are, are we, oh, good thing they've put those rules in. There's nobody having their ankle twist around the wrong way. Like, no, it's happening regardless. Yeah. I, I just don't know. Like at some point it's just like, dude, these guys are going to hurt and just don't interfere with the game because you're, you're damaging the, it's like they're getting hurt for not. If the game is just a, a referee fest, then what are they even doing? Why are they even risking all the injuries? At right. least like if they get hurt and it's a great sport because the refs aren't overly uh, ref showing it, then, now, then at least they got hurt for a reason, for the glory of this amazing game. But Yeah. Well, I think also as the game gets bigger, stronger, faster, uh, through you know, biology and chemistry both, you know, it, the speed of those collisions are, are increasing. And, of course, you're going to have more damage as part of that. I, I think that's just one of the things that we Skulls have to Skulls haven't get... gotten thicker. Skulls haven't gotten thicker at the same proportion that uh, muscles have gotten bigger and right. people well, got and ankle ligaments can only take so much. I mean, and you're putting a lot of stress on it anyhow for being this fast and this big and this strong. And then you add somebody else's to it there. I mean, I saw a play in the Florida Georgia game where on a touchdown play, this Titan makes a great play. got his leg twisted under him and it's just like a ruptured ankle. And you're just like, Oh, you know, I, I sometimes think that the speed of the game contributes to that sometimes. And of course, CBS showed the replay like seven times of the injury, like God, enough already. This is getting Tim Crummer. I ask. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it's injury porn is what they, yeah, they it really is sometimes. Uh, but it, it's, it's terrible. Uh, before we move on, uh, we've got one more note to share. Uh, football is back and new customers at bet GM, bet MGM sports can kick week 10 off with a 100% uh, a deposit match up to $500. Simply sign up and make a deposit with the bonus code ROTOWIRE to take advantage of this offer. There's never been a better time to get in on the action at BetMGM with parlay bonus payouts, live betting, daily boosted odds, specials, and much more. Don't let one minute of the NFL season pass you by. Download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and use bonus code ROTOWIRE to double your betting bankroll with a 100, uh, 100 deposit match. Up to $500. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Colorado, 
Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia. Or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Chris and Jeff here. We are talking about uh, Week 9 and all that happened there. And uh, a couple other things, Chris. Uh, the the Bills-Seahawks game. Fun game. Uh, a lot of scoring. The Bills just could do no wrong in the first half. They were just dialing up whatever pass play they wanted to do. They didn't even bother running. And why should they? The Seahawks, just they were terrible. Not terrible in coverage. Terrible in tackling, too. Yeah, did you see uh, Greg Ambrose's tweet where it was a Gil Brandt tweet that he retweeted where the Seahawks are averaging 360 yards passing allowed per game? How, 360. And it's historic, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's nobody that does close. That. Yeah, the next highest is like 320 or 310. I mean, it's, yeah. it's so out there. And, you know, Cam Newton went for 390 against them. Right. Uh, so it's like everybody's going crazy against them. And Josh Allen went for 414. And, Pete and it could have been more. Like, if they needed it, yeah. he could have dialed up more. They, they were trying to slow down the game down in the second half. So and Pete Carroll was like, you know, we had all these, you know, all this preparedness for their run game, and they just didn't run; they just threw. And it's like, well, yeah, but that's that's because you didn't guard the pass. They would have loved to play into your run defense if you stopped the pass. That you, you could have used that, but you can't just not stop something and then be mad that you know, oh, but we're so pre- prepared for their running game. Well, yeah, but doesn't work like that it's like the french having the maginot line and couldn't expect uh the germans to go around wait are we making world war ii references okay uh, topical it's too too soon Jeff. too soon uh it, but yeah it, and it's such a good team that has such a glaring flaw uh the other problem yesterday was russell wilson was getting beat up really beat up he got hit 16 times in this one and yeah he had four turnovers two on fumbles two on interceptions uh just and it was just a, he was scrambling a lot, not like a design scramble, just a like running for his life sort of thing. Like reminded me of a couple of years ago when the, the offensive line was that bad. And part of it is they had no no Chris Carson, no Carlos Hyde. They didn't have really any sort of running game. Two offensive linemen got hurt on one play in the third quarter. That didn't help. Uh, you know, it shows. It, as much as we love you know love the passing game, we're like let Russell cook and all that. Kind of helps to still have a running game to keep everybody off balance a little bit. Oh, the Giants game was such an illustration of that. Like Gallman and Morris are running well. And yeah. it wasn't a great game for the offense, but it was just like it was managed. You know, they could sustain a drive. They could right. get some first downs. There weren't just three and outs and then the defense is on the field. People who don't like there's the running backs don't matter, which is, I think, ridiculous. But even more ridiculous is running game doesn't matter. Right. So like that's the even stronger claim. Like running backs don't matter is a, is a extremist view but running game doesn't matter is a fanatical view right I think, you know obviously the running game matters if you're gashing teams for five and six yards uh it just puts you in such a good spot it beats them up keeps their defense on the field keeps the clock churning uh and it's it's effective uh and you know if you if you're seattle and you have your key guys out and you know russ is going russell wilson took some hits uh yesterday i mean it wasn't just slide to a stop slide to a stop you know run out of bounds he was getting popped and that affects pretty much everybody. I mean, if you're right. a, de- a, a defense, one of the reasons those mobile quarterbacks have been killing is that they run, wear out your defense, break them on the third and long, and then slide. You don't even get to pop them at the end. Right. I mean, that's deprive them of the satisfaction. Uh, and when they start getting popped a bunch, 
uh, it's just a little bit harder to focus calmly and, and make the plays. A good quarterback can take a hit, get back up and make a play, but take four or five hits in a quarter, good hits. Uh, you, you rarely see them come back up and you know make a lot of good plays. Yeah, let alone 16 hits in a game like that. Yeah, right. it, it's yeah. a huge difference. Uh, and so that was that was a big deal. You know, the funny thing, too, is the, the Bills, they actually were pretty vulnerable against the run. But if you can't do it, you can't do it. And DJ Dallas and Travis Homer and Alex Collins could not do it. And they tried. They did. I noticed they tried. And, you know, that's where you get frustrated. Like, OK, I, you don't want them to do that. But at the same time, they got to, but they couldn't. It, it, you're, you're in this trap. Well, when it's second it, and nine, third and seven all the time, you're in trouble, though. And also, if you can't stop the other team's pass, you have forfeited the right to run. Yeah, that's that's a also a problem when you're like, down like, like they were early too. you know, they had the turnover early. And next thing you know, they're down two scores and that just shaped the outcome, shaped the whole tenor of the game. Yeah. You can, you run when it's close enough to be a viable thing and, and you can't let it get away from you. Yeah. The other uh, wide receiver versus corner note, Tredavious white covered DK Metcalf 22 times. Metcalf only got four targets during that stretch, three of four for 65 yards. One was that big looping uh, ball, a skyscraper ball, as they like to call it. But uh, at the same time, he's a good cover corner. He draws DeAndre Hopkins next week, by the way. Yeah, a different technician versus beast. You know what I mean? It's like two totally different styles. I think with with Metcalf, uh, you just toss it up like that, a rainbow ball, and just say, good luck for Davis White. You know, we're just going to have him go get it. Uh, run it. He's faster than you. I'm trying to why he's fast, but, and he's so much bigger and stronger. You know, you might be only a step or two. You might be right there in coverage, but let's see who goes and gets it. Uh, with Hopkins, it's different, right? It's routes and setting the, setting each other up and mm-hmm. all this stuff. So different kind of challenge. It'd be, it'd be interesting to see who I would think that Metcalf would be harder for an elite corner to cover, but maybe not, you know, maybe, and Hopkins is probably, he's still good, but he's probably two years past his three years past his peak. Yeah, and the other thing, too, is that, you know, they may not have had time to get to Metcalf. He runs deeper patterns, as we said. We mentioned the pass rush uh, yeah. affecting him, and that, that's actually a big deal. In Arizona, Christian Kirk has looked really good lately, before yeah. the bye also, not just last night or yesterday afternoon. So I, I kind of wonder if it's kind of a changing of the guard right now. Yeah, I think Hopkins will get his. I think that, uh, I, uh, what's his name, Xavier Howard, I think, was on uh, – was on Hopkins for a bit. He got a few. He drew a couple of PIs, but they like were a little three of them, Yeah, but some they were a little ticky tack. I thought, but you know, and a lot of times it's because the guy's covered, and a lot of times it's because they assume he might be covered, so they're just okay. Fine, we'll we'll go to a different guy because we'll go to pick on a weaker corner. Mm-hmm. I think Hopkins will still get his. It was just one of those games where the flow and the way they were covering him dictated it. Right. Uh, the last game I wanted to bring up was Jacksonville Houston. We didn't talk about that much on the uh, radio show today, so I thought I'd bring it up here. Uh, you know, Luton's already going to get the start next week. They've already announced that, uh, and it might be because of Minshew's injury. But they're also like, huh, "Take your time, Gardner. We want to see what we got here." And you know, Jacksonville—they're in the Trevor Lawrence con- uh, conversation for sure, uh, or Justin Fields, what, whichever uh, quarterback you'd like better. But point is. Neither you know, Luton or Minshew is likely to be a franchise quarterback, but they they owe, they owe it to themselves to see what they have at least with Luton. How pissed! I mean, I lost two of my three survivor entries on that week one. Oh, you idiot! How could you do Indian Jacksonville? And people were like, "Oh, Jacksonville's not that bad." You thought they were that bad? I'm like, "Yeah, I thought they were really bad." That's why I used yeah. that's why I used the team against them. And then after they almost beat Tennessee the next week, 
it was like, no, Jacksonville's not even that bad. And, and they are. But on the other hand, if Minshew's been playing with a bad thumb, you know, maybe that's part of why they were so bad. They had a quarterback that was compromised. Why didn't you just say something though? It's really annoying. Yeah. But also no DJ Chark. There you are. There, there's, there, there you are now that you're getting, you know, now it's probably, he got healthy. He's playing with a healthier quarterback. He was playing the Texans secondary. It's hard to know which is yeah, the coming thing. off a bye week. No Bradley yeah. Roby. I mean, there, there's, right. there's plenty of reasons there too. It's like, and Minshew's like, why did I get that condition? You know, it's right. like, <laughs> so I, so I think Minshew was pretty good. And then he really went South after like week two with the hand thing. And, um, I don't know exactly when that really started affecting him, but I still think they need to see what they have in Minshew and, but Luton starting this week. And if he's good, that they have to decide who they really want to take a look at. Right. Neither, I mean, neither one probably is the guy, although I thought Minshew had a chance to be the guy. Problem is that quarterback is so inflated these days that to be the guy, you got to be really pretty good. Like I, I feel like Stafford, and I know he had a terrible game. is like the floor among your franchise. Yeah, Stafford and Ryan. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and peak Ryan is like really good actually, but like this level Ryan, but Stafford's the floor and Stafford's a good quarterback. I think Jared Goff might be below the floor of what you can re- I mean, they, they did make the Super Bowl that year, but remember they beat the saints on that non PI call or whatever. And mm-hmm. it wasn't like a, it was a good team, but it wasn't like a juggernaut. And I, I you know, and he was in a great offensive system that has since been, had to be changed because it, it didn't work. But like, I think like that's the floor, you know, Wentz, Wentz has some mobility. Those guys were fine, but with Burrow Herbert and looks like Tua, we'll see Tuba Tua what he becomes, but that was an impressive game. I mean, the, the, the bar is getting higher and higher at QB and people are like, Oh, well, Oh, we better sign our guy. You know, we don't want to lose out on Andy Dalton long-term, you know, let him go <laughs> to free agency or, you know, it's like, you got to find out and you got to find out this guy's good. Because otherwise, forget it. Start again. Like you got to well, yeah, scrap because that second contract, it, and it's it might might start to go the way of running backs and second contracts here. Or it just ties your hand so much. I mean, look at the Cousins contract, and right? you know, the, and, the, and he's, look he's at what right, Minnesota but, had to do this past offseason to tear apart their defense. Now maybe they wanted to do some of that and let some of those guys go, but that defense isn't that good, and they had they kind of had to start start over and tear a, thing, a lot of things up. Same thing, uh, you know, you look at the Lions, too. They had to trade away Darius Slay. They couldn't just say, right. okay, well, we'll build on Slay on one side and Okuda on the other. No, they right. couldn't do that. That sounds like a great way to build your team. Uh, the, thing, the problem is because they overvalue QBs because they think, oh, Stafford's really good. Whatever he costs, we've got to pay that cost. But they're not realizing, dude, he's the 16th best or 14th best QB in the league. Like, you can't – these guys grow on trees. And Ryan Fitzpatrick is free. You know, like these guys grow on trees and yeah, it, when you have Nick Foles or you have, um, somebody, you know, Sam Darnold, I shouldn't pick on Darnold cause he's the same as dimes. Like they're just playing under horrendous conditions and right. it's hard to really rate them. Although I got a little soured on dimes against Tampa who just missed some really easy throws that were, should have been touchdowns, but it is, you know, barring like having a obviously terrible QB, um, like Philip current Philip rivers or last year's Jacoby Brissett, like, if you don't have someone at least Stafford good and probably better, just, just ditch, go back to the draft, give the guy one year. If you don't see an obvious rising star in your hands, ditch again, like Josh Rosen, that was an easy call and draft Kyler Murray. Just do it. Just move on. And if, if there is no uh, solution in the draft or young QB, 
then sign whatever guy like Fitzpatrick or whatever, you know, journeyman is cheap that ends up. And the thing about Ryan Tannehill is good. Ryan Tannehill is better than Stafford and he was freely available to the Titans. There are just so many of these guys. I think quarterback play is the hardest to rate and it's the most, uh, it's the easiest to be fooled by if a guy has a great year for, you know, it's just conditions. Most QBs under excellent conditions will be good. And so you see them play and you're like, Oh my God, this guy's so good. And then conditions get worse. And you're like, wait, what happened to that guy? Right. And, and, and so would it behoove you to try to focus more on improving the conditions? Yes. Yes, that's right. Improve the soil, not the plant. Well, and that's you know? why it's kind of aggravating to me about the Cleveland Browns that they were Sashi Brown was doing that. He was trying to create that. And then, nope, we're impatient. Change that. We're going we're gonna to bring in this veteran GM, and he's going to eat the adult in the room. It's kind of like the 76ers in basketball. You know, oh, well, the process didn't work. Well, the, you, all, you interrupted the process. The process right. is a long, you know, longer-term thing. And professional sports owners are the worst when it comes to that. I don't want, you know, and fans get frustrated. I get it. You don't want to – tanking sucks. Tanking's no fun at all, but well, it's not tanking so much as um, you know having a longer term view, right? You're not trying to lose; you're just not putting short. You know, look, look at corporations. Oh, we need to make a profit this quarter, mm-hmm. so we're going to do all these things like buy back our stock, or you know, it's just like it's all tied to the short term mentality rather than you know how do we make this a better business? You know, how do we? And it takes time for a lot of the things that you really need to do in life and business, in building a team and. People are impatient. They want results. And after, you know, okay, fine, you'll wait a year. You'll wait two years, maybe a year and a half. But, you know, there's some variance in luck also in these things. So you, you, it doesn't work out a couple of players. And then you're like, who is this dork with a spreadsheet telling me to wait two years? My team has sucked and there's no results. How do I know that he knows what he's doing? You right. start to doubt. And so the thing is, like, if you're going to go that way, you have to buy in seriously. You can't just be before persuaded it starts. to yep. before it starts. You got to hold on to the stock when it goes down so that it can go up. But if you don't have conviction, you're going to sell at the low and you're going to do what the Sixers and the Browns did and just blow it up halfway through before the soil's fixed, before it's and you're just going to try to just get, you know, transplant some stuff from somewhere else and it's just going to be a disaster like it's been for for at least the Browns. So, yeah, it's just uh it's hard to be patient. You need conviction. And, you know, but a lot of these guys preaching process are full of it too, though. You know, it's like, just cause I say the word process doesn't, you know, right, 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 right. Yeah. Right. Just because I use the word analytics doesn't mean I know how to use them. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like when I did, I was using this analogy, you call customer service, like, yeah, this is totally unfair. I'm getting ripped off. I need a refund. They're like, sir, it's a company policy. A yeah. policy is like process company process. It's company process that you don't get a refund. Well, I know it's company process, but I'm saying I deserve a refund. No, no, no. You don't understand. It's policy. It's policy. That's what process sounds like to these owners. Win sure. some damn games, dude. I don't care about your process. Give me some results. I got, you know, and so it's, you, you got to have a real buy-in. Yeah. All right. And, and the Brown story might not be done. I mean, they're five and three, but you, neither you or I think that Baker Mayfield's anything, any good. And that's kind of a problem. Uh, but that's it, the sort of thing. And we'll see, by the way, one of the things with stories we'll be following this week is his COVID IR status. Now I don't think right. he tested positive himself. I think he's uh, on the, like the Matthew Stafford path, but it's frustrating, uh, that w- we saw that, you know, Stafford didn't play all that well this week. And part of this, he didn't have any practice time. 
yeah, it's 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 not getting COVID. It's being put on the COVID list causes interceptions. That's the that's the worry. And and there, there that will go. never happen to Mayfield though. That would could never. We can't even imagine that happening to Mayfield. I can't <laughs> It'll cause him to have completions, but uh, maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah. So, um, one thing that Andy Dalton proved is, and don't. So, if you're at home and you think, oh, I'm worried about catching COVID, maybe I'll concuss myself because there's no way you could be concussed and get COVID. Nope. Uh, you know, don't try that. It's not a. It's not a preventative measure. Yeah, you added that uh, that chapter to your concussion theory book that you you've been. I crossed working. over my epidemiology and uh, concussion theory work is now merging into the same thing. It's amazing. It's the grand it's unification. Your skill sets evolve every day. Quantum quantum physics and relativity merging into one unified branch. Oh, mind blown. Uh, is that what you're working on for East Coast offense this week, or is there something? I else? am. I'm going to deliver the paper, and it's going to change everything. Uh, I you know I was going to write about the uh, the. Uh, I can't remember the word I was going to use, but anyway, the fallacy of thinking that since things are usually a certain way, that assuming that if a case is is something that you know, assuming that because things are in general a certain way, that specifically a new thing that falls into that category is also a certain way. Um, so, for example, um, you know, it was a whole it, it the thing that triggered it was the, uh, the whole debate about uh, the Rays taking out Blake Snell. It's like, well, yeah, third time through the order, it usually works, so we should do it in this case. Um, and it's sort of the, uh, the base rate fallacy. That's what I want to call it, the base okay. rate fallacy. And, and how, if you, how we're all lazy, and in life, we can't investigate every little thing, so we usually sort of just make these heuristics like, usually it goes this way, so I'm just going to assume it's this way. And even things that we don't understand that well, we'll put them in the box of, of, of something, and then we'll say, okay, this is the case. You know, oh, you know. Bitcoin went up a lot. Things that go up a lot are usually bubbles. Tulips, no. But you know, it's different if you investigate each thing. But we don't have time to investigate each thing, so we just quickly categorize it. We say, oh, you know, analytics says do this, do this, and and what happens is, you know, you get a lot of things right, but you get big things wrong. And how um, to really get paid off sometimes is is really the the key element is curiosity. Because your curiosity is going to get you to dive into some of these weird rabbit holes that other people dismiss because they're betting the base rate. But you know that this is different. You know that this time, everyone's like, oh, yeah, right, this time is different. Sure, sure. Mm -hmm. But you know this time is different because you've actually done the very deep dive to see the difference. But on the surface, it looks the same as everything else. It's the Jose Batista example. You know, oh, he's hit a bunch of home runs in April or the first couple weeks of April. Nah, don't pick him up. He'll regress. But somebody who was paying close attention would be like, I don't know, you know, this this seems kind of real, and then they get paid off in this fifty-four home run season. Yeah, not only that, but then multiple seasons afterward, and actually the Jays did that. Well, usually they don't pay a guy off a career year, but we're going to do it here, and it actually worked. Right. So they saw something that other people that from the surface looked ridiculous, but you know, if you look deeper into things, the things that look the same might not be the same. Yeah, and then we always try to say, okay, he's the next Jose Bautista, and I, I, you know, and that doesn't always work. Well, there's either. also the everything's an exception fallacy. You yeah. know, what I mean, like the fallacy of I can spot the exception. You know, so that's yeah. that that's the more common fallacy among you know the the average person. But in this our stat driven world, you know, it's like, oh, you dare not make that mistake. Oh, you you know, I can't spot break. Everyone gets too wise to the everyone gets too wise to the base rate. We get wise to the base rate, you know, and it's the whole thing of like, oh, Cunha's a rookie. You're not going to bet him. Look, Vlad Guerrero failed or, you know, vice versa. But, 
you know, the idea that like, oh, we're so wise to the base rate now. We're savvy. Savvy people are those who are wise to the base rate. Mm-hmm. Novices are people who will say, no, 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 I don't think this is, I think this guy's different. And normally the savvy people laugh at that guy and are right. And they're like, ah, you fell for that shiny new toy thing. But once in a while, the shiny new toy is a pretty cool toy. And it's like, okay, well, you just dismissed it because you're, you're too base rate uh, driven. Yeah. So the trick is threading the needle between savvy and novice. And, you know, be, you know, don't, don't fall into either trap. Well, but the only way to do it right is to, is to have, is to know more about the specific thing than anybody else. Because you're not going to just be able to get the exception just because, oh, I got a good hunch on this thing, right? Like you could, but it's unlikely. You don't have special powers. It's because you actually know something somebody else doesn't about that thing. But there's only one way. You you don't have infinite time to learn about every little possible exception. So there's only one thing that's going to give you the deep knowledge that people lack, and that's extreme curiosity, extreme driven curiosity about some particular thing that everyone's too bored to bother with because it's a pain in the ass. But you've actually gone down the rabbit hole and you've discovered something. And nobody believes you because they're like, ah, Jeff is just touting Austin Kearns again. You know, forget about it. You know? <laughs> but, but maybe you find that thing and everyone's like, you know, dismissive, but you know. And then you make a big bet on it at great odds because the public hasn't come around. And that's how, you, that's how you win, basically. Right, right. And then the other trick is having the time to pursue all those loose threads. And yeah, that, that's the real problem. Yeah. All right. That's going to wrap up today. Uh, we got Jake and Joe on the free agent podcast tomorrow. Uh, thanks to uh, everybody for listening. Please subscribe, rate and review and watch. Thank you for uh, listening and watching. Have a great day. The headlines remind us daily. The world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not ready hour foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.